0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Today we finish up our series, Kingdom of Heaven. If you have your Bibles with you or you want to turn on your app, your iPad, your phone to Matthew 13, uh, we're going to be finishing up uh, this text and Uh, Matthew 13 starts with Jesus sitting by a lake, the crowd gets so large he ends up getting on a boat uh, and speaks to the crowd that's gathered on the shore and he begins speaking in parables about the kingdom of heaven and uh, then from there he goes uh, to his hometown and that's where we're going to pick up today as we talk about rejection. Now we've all experienced rejection on some level, Uh, you've experienced rejection not being picked for the team. Uh, you've experienced rejection being asked to leave the team. (laughs) Uh, You've experienced rejection uh, by being asked to keep score for the team. We could just give my whole life story right now. But you've been rejected from a job. You've been overlooked for a promotion. And you may just had a friend that walked away after years of time together. And uh, today we're talking about when you're rejected for your faith. And we get, and we're going to see today in the Holy Week text that, that we, be, we, we can be rejected by the world, and we understand that, even though that's still, it's still painful. We shouldn't be shocked. But what happens when you're rejected by family and friends? Who here has led a family member or a friend to Christ? Would you raise your hand? Okay. And I love those stories, and I hear those stories all the time at our church Those who have shared for years with a family member, I was with a buddy this week at Panera Bread who shared for years with a family member and his brother came to know Christ late in life. And I love hearing those stories and I love hearing about someone in their senior years uh, with major life change and all that comes with placing faith in Christ. But then the story, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand obviously on this one, but some of you have family members and friends who, yeah, you still go to the gatherings, but there's a kind of the hand put up, like, we don't want to hear it anymore, right? We know what you believe, we know what you've shared, and I'm just done with it. But some of you, you go to the gatherings, your message has been rejected, but you're still there, but there are those in here that have had family and friends say, I want nothing to do with you. And today, as we talk about this level of rejection, we, we want to guard ourselves when rejected, because when we're rejected, we tend to, it starts with, close our hearts a closed heart, this is unresolved anger. We can become bitter. We can let resentment build within us. And when we close our hearts, we stop caring for others. Uh, somebody after the last service said, just take these last two words off and put a, I just stopped caring altogether. But with, with a closed heart, you, you're not looking to meet the needs of other people. And, and this is where we, we must be careful follower of Jesus. We close our hearts, we stop caring for others, and then we can lose sight of our calling. In this series, we've been looking at these parables, these word pictures, great stories about the kingdom of heaven, and you and I are called as we treasure the kingdom, Christ in his kingdom, as we see that the kingdom is powerful, as we know what it means to be a believer in Christ Jesus. This is the good news that we are called to take out from here and out from our home, and we start today in Isaiah 53, 3, as we look at the coming Messiah, as we look at Jesus. Isaiah says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind. Jesus understands rejection. A man of suffering, your translation may read a man of sorrows. In other words, he understands suffering. He knows your suffering. Uh, Hebrews says that he is our high priest, and he enters into that with us and he's familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces he was despised and we held him in low esteem if you are brand new to the investigating the faith if you don't have any church experience and you've been coming for some time we start today with this understanding of Jesus Jesus knows our suffering and comforts us in it Here's what you need to know. He comforts us in it doesn't mean that he removes it from us. We read Paul to the Corinthians say he's the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our tribulation, in our struggle, in our difficulties. And that doesn't mean that necessarily the storm's going to be removed, but Jesus is the comforter, and he goes through this with you. Uh, Maybe you saw it during the Super Bowl uh, these ads. They're, it's an ad campaign that donors are bringing together called "He Gets Us." There's some debate in the church about this and how much should be spent. This one says Jesus was fed up with politics too. Are there any amens on that one? Uh, Jesus agonized over his future too, and 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 there's uh, Christians are debating this. And I mean, like I think hundred million dollars in donors are bringing to the table for just this campaign. I was recently in a city. I saw one of these on a on a billboard. And and I want to share their words so you understand what the the purpose of the campaign is. It says, studies indicate that 64% of the respondents to this one poll believe that cancel culture is a direct threat to their freedom. For Jesus, cancel culture did not put his freedom at risk. It put his life at risk. However, such threats did not deter him from delivering his radical truth. This willingness to take a stand is a conviction that we wanted to permeate into the visuals for this topic, speaking of he gets us. We selected imagery that reflected the strain of standing up for your beliefs even when the masses aimed to vanquish your voice, a feeling that Jesus knew all too well. And so yes, Jesus gets us, but I think sometimes we want a Jesus who gets us but does not confront us. We want a Jesus that understands us but does not challenge us. We want a Jesus that, that heals and a Jesus that walks alongside us but uh, calling me to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus gets us and he challenges us. He comforts and he confronts. And I want to start today before we look at the crowd. I don't know if you know this about crowds but crowds can be fickle. I'll I'll be honest, I'll share another passage just where I was this week as the week went on. It was a heavy week. It was a heavy week to watch not just the events unfold, but how people process it. And I, I found myself watching the news a couple of times, which I don't know why I do that. And I'm watching the screen going, you've lost the story. You've completely lost the story and what's happened why aren't we talking about the event that's unfold? And then I was reminded of the words in Isaiah chapter 5, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And here's what we know about crowds. They're fickle. They will change in a moment. This is, I think this is why our parents often told us, Don't follow the, yeah, you know, Bad company corrupts good character. Parents were always concerned about the crowd we were hanging with. If I were to ask my parents, hey, I'm leaving today, I'm going to do this, and maybe I was 13 or 14, the first question my mom would ask, who are you going to be with? So she knew how to pray. Can I get an amen from the moms in the room? Crowds change. This is why we don't go with public opinion. We go with the Scripture. Scripture. We don't go with the crowd. Why? Because the crowd will change in a moment, and they will turn on you. As we're going to see today, they did with Jesus. But, but, but here's what we have to guard against. Not, we don't need closed hearts. Some of you have a closed heart right now toward the public opinion, toward the mob mentality. And you're just you, like me. You watch the news, and I'll be inside of me. goes. What did Jesus think about the crowds? How was Jesus moved by the crowds? Well, let's look. Matthew 9:36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Do you have compassion on the crowds, whatever crowd it may be, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And here we see in Matthew 15 that the great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. We like the Jesus who gets us and the Jesus who heals us. And today what we're seeing, many want a loving Jesus who stays out of their business, I want Jesus to love and care for me and provide for me and walk alongside with me through the trials and the tribulations that I'm going with. But repentance, not a big fan of that message. Changed life, don't know. I know how I want to live. Now... Jesus finishes up all of these parables, and we read in Matthew 13, we're going to pick up, this is where we get the prophet is without honor in his own hometown. When Jesus had finished these parables there by the lake, he moved on from there. Verse 54, coming to his hometown, we need to add a detail from Mark chapter 6. Mark gives the same account with some different details added. And one very important detail in this story is that he went to his hometown With his disciples. Why is that important that his disciples accompanied him, according to Mark chapter 6? It's because in a few days after this, Jesus is going to send the disciples out two by two. We read it in Mark 6. It's the very next story. He's going to send them out two by two to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And he's he's going to instruct them what they are to do if they go someplace to a town or to a home that rejects the message. But before he gives them the instruction, this is so beautiful, he gives them a lesson. He gives them a a, a hands-on lesson. They are going to watch Jesus be rejected in his own hometown. They're going to see it. And then they're going to be told, this is what you do. And they watch how Jesus responds in this moment. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. Hold on to this for a second because you're going to see how the crowd changes. And they were amazed. Amazed can mean caught off guard, surprised. We use the word astonished. And then they begin asking, where did this man get this wisdom And these miraculous powers they asked. So they were amazed at what Jesus was saying and what he was doing. The next verse come all of these questions. And these questions are not questions of discovery. They're they're disparaging remarks. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Uh, in other words, we, we know him. We know boy Jesus. Uh, I, my brother goes to our uh, first service, uh, first gathering, and uh, I called him out in the last gathering at 8.15. He was sitting back there, and I said, I just want you to know if there's one person in here listening to me who is not impressed with me, It's that guy sitting right back there, my brother who's four years older than me. Why is my brother, who hears me now as his pastor, who's sometimes just going, oh, brother. You know why? He knows things. He's got stories. Stories you'll never hear. Shall you hear them? He shall surely die buried in a shallow grave. Can I get an amen? That's harsh, isn't it? That sounds really harsh. I love my brother. But <laughs> you really have to understand what's going on in this text because Jesus comes. They're amazed at his teaching, but then they remember his upbringing. And they're like, you're just an ordinary guy. I, 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 don't, I don't know if you watch American Idol. Anybody here watch American Idol and care to admit it before there's like four people? And that's a lie. But they're on like season 87. Okay, this show's been going on a long time. I've always enjoyed at the end. I, I tend, it's kind of like sports. I don't watch opening day, I watch playoffs. Right? That's a long, long season to get to the playoffs. But so at the end, when they're down to a few contestants, they go for the hometown visit. I love the hometown visits. Absolutely love the hometown visits because they go in and there's a parade. Jesus didn't get no parade. But then they start interviewing people. My favorite is when they interview the now 85-year-old music teacher who is completely and totally unimpressed, who begins taking credit (laughs) for this American idol. Carrie Underwood, I did that. I, I love documentaries. One of my favorite documentaries, I love biographies. One of my favorite is Alan Jackson's. It's on Netflix. And it, I just love when you get the story behind the music. And Alan Jackson's music, I love it because it's just stories. You know, Daddy let me drive. And that whole thing's about his hometown. The, the, the series or the, the documentary is called Small Town Southern Man. It's a story about his mom and dad. It's all based off the song. I absolutely love it. And my favorite part in the documentary is when they interview Alan Jackson's sisters completely and totally unimpressed. <laughs> A country music legend. And I know they shared stories that when Alan was going through the final edits, went, uh-uh, <laughs> that one's out. That's, these questions are not, we're trying to figure out who Jesus is. These questions are uh, somebody hearing Jesus teach going, I played with you down the street when you were 10. I lived down the street from you. And then Jesus says this. When, when, where did he get these things? I want you to see this before what Jesus said. Sorry, I jumped ahead there. I got very excited. Uh, I'm still thinking about my, br- my brother. Uh, <laughs> notice what they said. Just a couple verses up. They were amazed, and now watch. They, they begin figuring out this ordinary guy that grew up around here, and they took offense at him. That's a crowd. That's a crowd. They can be amazed one minute, And offended the next. Let's talk about this, Woodland Hills, for just a second. (laughs) You're like, oh, that was so good until that one point. I really liked the teaching and then "Mm, I I didn't care for that. Isn't it something how quickly we can go from amazed to offended? See, this is the Jesus we want. But you start telling me to repent and build my life upon you and upon your teachings, Jesus, Mm, this is how I'm living, this is why I'm living this way, just be the loving Jesus. See, we want a loving Jesus who stays out of our business. And Jesus comes in after they take offense to his teaching. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. Now watch, this is even more important. Not just in his town where friends and people familiar with him, know him, know stories of him, but also in his own home. Family members rejected him. And this is painful. This is painful when, when family members and friends reject you. Verse 58 reads, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I got to give you one more detail from Mark chapter 6, verse 6. It says after this that he did perform some miracles. He healed some people. But in Mark 6, 6, it says he was amazed at their lack of faith. Have you ever thought about that? What amazes Jesus? Twice, twice in the Gospels, Jesus is amazed. One time is here, he's amazed at their lack of faith. And then in Luke, we read he was amazed at the faith of the centurion. So, in one case, he's amazed at someone's faith. And another case here, amazed at their lack of faith. I processed it a lot this week because there are many, and some are in here, some are at this church. You've come here for a long time. You have heard the good news proclaimed from here in small group, at Ready to Wed, in Marriage 9-1, whatever it is that brought you here. You've heard the good news proclaimed from multiple voices, and you still reject the message. You still choose to live life your own way. And I can say those are moments that I'm amazed. I'm shocked. You're shocked. You've sat around a family gathering where things were being debated and discussed and you share the good news and you're like, this is the message that brings great joy and you don't want it and you sat there amazed, astonished, shocked that this good news would be rejected. But followers of Jesus, some insight we have and the disciples would have had watching all of this go down. We should not be shocked when rejected by friends and family. Pain? Yes hurtful? Yes. Putting us in distress and hurting relationship? Yes. But we shouldn't be shocked. And the disciples, they're going to be rejected, but now they've seen Jesus himself rejected for the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, though, prepared us for this. We have his words in Matthew chapter 10, verse 36, that says, "...a man's enemies will be members of his own household." And what does Jesus say in Matthew 10? Do not not suppose that I have come to earth to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. We don't talk about this verse a lot at Christmas. But he says, when you place faith in me, I want undivided allegiance. And what that means is when you choose me, some family members are going to say no to you and reject you. You will have family members that turn from you. But remember, I am your first love. couple of things Jesus is not saying in Matthew 10, dishonor parents, dishonor family members. No, the goal here, I want to remind some of my very conservative <sighs> type friends in here that, I mean, you're just, you're ready to pounce at a moment's moment. This is not a goal. Right? Jesus isn't saying, go be as obnoxious as you can at the next family gathering. <laughs> Make that uncle an enemy. Like, just go at No, that's not at all. He's saying, you stand for me. You love me. You let your faith lead out in your life and watch. People will reject you. Be prepared for it. They, it will, the, your enemies will be in your own household. And this is painful, but we've been prepared for it. We're in Holy Week, and in Holy Week, you know what happens in a matter of days, not even a full week. The crowd goes from Hosanna to crucify him. Let's talk about that for just a moment. In Matthew 21, 8 through 11. On Sunday, the beginning of the week, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. The whole city was there was rejoicing with Jesus and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from here at hometown Nazareth in Galilee. Not even a week later, days later, Matthew 27, 23, at the end of the week, they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Now, scholars, there, there's, scholars debate this, and I just want to share the debate what the Scripture and the evidence we have in Scripture actually teaches us. Some scholars would say these were completely Uh, Two different groups. There was a group that yelled Hosanna and another group that yelled crucify him. Sometimes you've heard it preached that some from within this group found their way over to this group. So there were people, and and some believe there were people that shouted Hosanna but then turned their voices to shouting crucify him. The evidence we have and that we can rest on from the scripture and understanding the narrative of Holy Week is this, public opinion shifted in Jerusalem, period. And it went from a celebratory moment to a dark crucify him moment that we will be remembering on Friday. One pastor, I thought, put it in in perfect perspective, Dave Miller, he said this, at the triumphal entry, Jerusalem rejoiced, but then Jesus failed their expectations. There are many leaders in here that understand this, right? The crowd was with you until you didn't meet their expectations. I don't want to ask elected officials to raise their hands, but You're low-hanging fruit on this point right here. The crowd was with you until you made one decision they didn't like, and then they turn on you. Please don't forget this. Don't go with the crowd because the crowd will not always fit what you believe from Scripture. And when you stand up for this, they will turn on you. And the crowd, just like the disciples, we have to understand what's going on in this day. Just like the disciples, the crowd wanted a powerful, immediate, like physical kingdom to wipe out Rome. And Jesus didn't meet that expectation. He had come to defeat sin and death, not Rome. And I, I know who I'm talking to right now. There's some of you in here that you're like, no, we need, no come on. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, it's time for us to take some people out. <laughs> Bring it down a notch. And remember, sharing the good news of the kingdom is that Jesus came to defeat sin and death. And next week at Easter, we will celebrate the resurrected Jesus. And we will celebrate victory over the grave. Don't, please, don't get so caught up in fighting Rome that you forget what the good news is all about. Somebody you are like, see, and some of you just turned right there. You're like, I loved everything until that very moment right there. His kingdom was in hearts. We already saw this in this series. He said, it's in your midst. Remember, he said, you're not going to be able to point and say, there it is. Here it is. It's right here right now. It's, it's in our midst, not on a throne, at least not yet. Remember, we, we saw this, that the kingdom of heaven is a present reality in our midst, but it's also a future expectation. They began to reject Jesus as the campaign of lies by the religious leaders had its effect. Finally, by the time Jesus stood before Pilate, and he, if you're brand new to Scripture, you need to understand this. This is days from Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. This is not weeks or months. This is days. This is how fast a crowd turns. Finally, by the time Jesus stood before a pilot, there had been a dramatic shift in public opinion. And follower of Jesus, if ever there was a time in my life, in my life in ministry, I'm convinced of this, there's never been a time when public opinion, just one day is over here and then over here and then over here. I don't go with public opinion, and you shouldn't either. We stick with Jesus we we, we just sang about it we build our life on jesus and his teachings everything else sinking sand and it's not the foundation for our life followers of jesus should not expect public opinion to swing in our direction and again it's painful i don't think we can deny the emotion It's difficult and it's painful but we shouldn't be surprised why jesus again just as he prepared us for this within friends and family, he prepares us for this from the world. This is what he says. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, please keep in mind, it hated me first. And I want to remind all of us, this is not a challenge. Again, it's not a challenge to see if you can get people to hate you. It's just take your stand for Christ. And when you do, the world will hate you. And I've got to be prepared when I watch or hear or listen to other you know, voices in public opinion to not be swayed by it. Follower of Jesus, let's not be swayed by it. Let's be reminded that the world hated Jesus and what he stood for. So what do you do? What do we do? When rejected by friends, family, and the world. I just want to leave you with three uh, encouraging thoughts. Hopefully, uh, I promise, if you bring your friends and family next week, I'm going to calm down a little bit. I know this is like a little, this is a rough Palm Sunday. Uh... We are celebrating the resurrected Jesus, but this is just... uh, Last week was a heavy week, and I'm telling you, we're entering into another heavy week. Don't just sit with the events of Holy Week. Like, enter into them. Like, sit in them for a little bit and feel these events. When rejected by family, friends, and the world, keep an open heart. Keep an open heart. I, I just keep coming back to this verse. Jesus had experienced beatings, betrayal, suffering, rejection. And at the end of the week, in the midst of all of this, while you and I are getting fired up with public opinion going against him, Jesus is able to say this from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is the heart of our Savior. That is the heart of Jesus, and it's the heart that all of us are called to have as followers of Christ. Pastor Jared Wilson said this. I think it's a great reminder for us. And upside to getting older is that you start to care less what people think. I'm looking at my senior adult friends in here who are on fixed incomes because you're retired. Right? And you're able, in the first gathering today at 815, man, they were cheering like, yeah, because I asked them, when did you give a dang break? And they're like, man, the day of my retirement, when I got the sheet cake, I couldn't care less what people thought of me. And I'm like, okay, but be careful, because you may be at that place, you couldn't care less what people think, but a potential downside is that you can start to care less how people feel. Probably a good sign of a heart closing toward those that Jesus loves and those who were called to love. Number two, very important, when rejected by friends, family, and the world, stay on mission. I am preaching to myself right now because it is easy for me to dream of a sheet cake. You know it. I'm a big fan of sheet cakes right now, and, uh, but I'm never going to leave the mission until the Lord returns or calls me home. Stay on mission. And here's where we get Jesus after... The parables he shares at the lake, after he goes to his hometown, he sends his disciples out two by two to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And here's what he instructs them. As they just witnessed now in Jesus' his own hometown, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Leave that as a sign for hey, the mission continues. The good news continues. A lesson we have, to stay on mission. Some of you are around toxic people right now. And toxic people are bringing you down and keeping you from your mission. Shake the dust off your boots and move on, continuing to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Don't quit. And we've we've been saying this for a long time now around since our Armor series. But number three and finally, take your stand take your stand. Ephesians 4.14, then they will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching that comes from the crowd. There's gonna be a new teaching tomorrow. There's gonna be something new and exciting that someone tells you we should be believing this, we should be believing that. Listen, that stuff's gonna come in and out of your life by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Take your stand for Jesus, his kingdom and his word and build your life and your foundation there in Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, we read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is brilliant, and the devil hates you. And he doesn't want you on mission. All right? Take your stand. Take your stand. Pastor, yesterday, I was very blessed by him. We were having a great conversation over coffee. I, uh, I asked him, I said, when do you first start drinking coffee? He said, at 4 Said at four, he's a Baptist pastor. And uh, I said, four years old. And he said, yeah. He said, I would go over to my grandma's house and she would put that much milk in the cup, that much sugar, and about that much coffee. And uh, then we'd go out on the front porch and smoke Virginia Slims. She smoked Virginia Slims. And I, I didn't ask. Did you start your smoking habit at four? Uh, but he said, and then I just weaned myself, you know, off the milk. And I go, when'd you start drinking black coffee? He said, uh, In my early teens, I go, man, you are a hardcore coffee drinker. We're having a great conversation as pastors do over coffee. And uh, he just blessed me with the words, and I just want to bless you with the same words. He said, You know, we're we're living in the times, Ted, that we know about, we're prepared for. He said, "Uh, I'm going to encourage you, as I'm encouraging every other pastor and believer I know, take your stand. Just stand. Don't pack up, don't sit down just just keep it up and I, it's just simple that's what i needed to hear, and i know it's what you need to hear take your stand with an open heart caring for people have compassion on the crowds and as we do so we're going to enter into the lord's supper if you've not received the elements you can raise your hand and al's back there and julie and several others they'll be happy to bring these to you but i want to tell you everyone's invited to the lord's table but to receive the Lord's Supper, you must receive Christ, to take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. I take you to John chapter 1, verses 9 and 12. They kind of sum up everything we've talked about this morning. Sums it up beautifully. The true light, Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, he's the creator and sustainer of all life. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. We just That's what we studied in Matthew 13 today. He came to his own hometown. He came to his own people. And look what it says. His own did not receive him. Yet, verse 12 says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's you and that's me. For those who place faith in Jesus, the Lord's Supper is for you to be reminded of what Jesus did when he went to the cross for you and for me and for the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to ask that you bow your head with me and you prepare your heart so you can take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Thank the Lord for his sacrifice, for his blood and for his body. Confess sin. Prepare to reconcile relationships. Father, we take this meal as those who have received Jesus and believed in his name and are children of God. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for our salvation. And every time we take of this cup and eat of this bread, we're reminded of his sacrifice for us. As we enter into this holy week, uh, that we would do so uh, with hearts and minds Tuned uh, to all that Jesus went through this week and the lessons and the insights that we gain from it, knowing that he cares for us and he confronts us. He loves us and he challenges us. We pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. In Matthew 26, 26 through 29, it reads, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus ended with this in verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And all God's people said,